Hey, what's up, y'all? It's Will with Schedule Fly, and today I'm excited to have Luisa Jaramillo on the phone with me. I hope I got that right, Luisa. Uh, I was just practicing my uh, pronunciation of her last name. Um, she's with Brewery Bavana in Raleigh, North Carolina, which is a really unique, special place. And we'll have Luisa tell us a little bit about it. But it's it's uh, one of the owners that's co-owned uh, by a friend of mine, Van Nolentha, Van Santa Nolentha. And Van was in our uh, second restaurant owners on Court book. Uh, he was has been on this podcast, and if and actually, if you go to the schedulefly.com homepage right now, you'll see the story of Van's other restaurant called Bit Amanda, and uh, it's a video or film that we made, a short film about that story, which is really exciting. But um, Van, when I asked him for some folks that worked with him that he would recommend be on here, Louisa was uh, immediately top of mind for him, and he has a lot of great things to say about her, a lot of admiration and respect for her. And so uh, we feel excited to have you here, Luisa. So thanks for doing this. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be able to speak a little bit about what we do and why we do it. Awesome, awesome. Well, okay, so I want to talk about your story, and I also want to talk about uh, Brewery Bavana, um, and just because it is such a really unique place. But let's start with you and your story about how long have you been in the hospitality business and when did you get started and where were you when you started um yeah definitely so I started working I guess my first restaurant job was at Jersey Mike when I was in high school um and I was just doing counter service there and then when I was in college I had a few summer jobs uh in the Outer Banks at a seafood restaurant um and later I worked at Mecca in downtown Raleigh when I became friends with Van in 2011, I met Van at um, NC State through a program we were both a part of called the Caldwell Fellows. And at the time, he had just gotten back from his graduate studies in Ireland, and he started dreaming and coordinating and planning for what is now Vita Manda. Um, and so when he opened Vita Manda, I was part of the opening crew for that restaurant. I was still finishing my uh, bachelor's at NC State, so I was serving part-time at Vitamanda. And when I graduated from NC State, I actually went into the Peace Corps, and I served in Guatemala for two years as a community health advocate. And after that, I moved to Vermont and did a couple of different jobs. Um, including working at the U.S. Attorney's Office uh, as an asset forfeiture specialist and case-related research assistant. And during that time in my last year in Vermont, which was in 2016, Van was already well into the plan, along with Patrick Woodson and Zanzita, of opening up um, this concept of Ravana, a brewery, then some restaurant with a bookshop and a flower shop. And in my visits back to Raleigh from Vermont, we would talk about the restaurant and what it was going to look like and how large it was going to be and the intention behind it. And he would joke that he should come back and like be a part of the opening team, just like I was for Vita Manda. And I was like, don't... Uh, 
don't persuade me too much unless you mean it, because I might just do it. Um, I think there's a lot of magic in the opening season of restaurants. There's a lot of vulnerability and rawness and a commitment to making things better and revisiting um, the systems you try to put in place and seeing if they actually make sense for that venue and what people want to gain, uh, the audience, the respective audience. So I was in a good place with the job that I had, but didn't really feel um, fulfilled and a lot of purpose in it. And so I told Dan that I would come back. Um, but if I came back, I don't want to surf. I wanted to manage. And he was like, okay, let's give it a go. And that was uh, be two years in November since that meeting and decision. And then we're going to open officially March of 2017. And I've been here um, since its opening. Oh, yeah. So you've really, uh, <clears throat> so you've kind of kept coming back. It's what's drawn you back to hospitality? You've done it, and then you were in the. You've done a lot of interesting things. What, what keeps yeah. drawing you back? You mentioned a little bit about that about the opening season of a, of a restaurant, but then, you know, over time, you know, that changes. And and uh, but it sounds like you have. There's something calling you to be a part of the hospitality yeah. space. It seems like. Am I right about that? Yeah, definitely. Um, so in part, I think that, well, I think that when when you have your job and your home life or your family life, and then the things that you do outside of that time add so much quality and boldness and meaning to everything else that we do as a means to, like, have community and identity and survive. And a lot of that is, like, essentially the entertainment business, like what people do where they choose to invest and spend their money. And so restaurants are a big thing of American culture, um, maybe Southeastern culture in the United States, is going out to eat with family and friends. It's the way that people connect. It's the way that people find a lot of times a common shared experience, like what people's favorite restaurant is and if you're willing to try new foods and if you like beer. So it's a way to explore and find common standing ground and so the thing about the Nalintas and hospitality is that they believe a lot in bringing people together over a meal like that's part of their narrative and the way they as immigrants to connect with food like leaving Laos and moving to North Carolina and the way to like stay connected to their native country was through food and so we see food as a way to like really bring people together and then here, one of the things, for example, that the Bana and Bidamanda both honor is, like, we don't have TV. And we try to, like, uh, make all those details or attune all those details to, for people to, like, really be present and stimulate their senses and feel taken care of. So the first frontier of that is all service and hospitality driven um, with you know, looking out for small details like that the table is dirty and not wobbly in a distracting way, that when you come to the table, the first greeting is that, like, everything's set in an intentional, detailed way, not simply placed on the table, that our servers have knowledge about our veterans program and our food program and can answer your questions in a way that, like, you feel comfortable and at peace with. 
can trust. Um, and then from there, it's just like investing so much in our staff too that they are hosting people when they come into the restaurant and hopefully it's something that is also meaningful to them. So we see this space as a way, as a place that people can just connect from maybe things that are preoccupying them or troubles or like things that are hard and heavy and just really be present with the people that are before them. Um, and so in a way, to accomplish that, we invest a lot in our staff. And to me, that's the thing that keeps me coming back and the thing that I have found the most fulfillment in as a manager has been the staff development piece. Um, how we do interviews, how we manage onboarding and training, and how we challenge people that see more than, I mean, to an end of having a supplementary income. Because a lot of our staff have other things that they're passionate and invested in, and the service industry allows flexibility to their lives so that they can work, you know, whatever number of shifts suited for them, and they can also take a week off the year and they are, they have projects they have to travel for. Um, but we don't want people just to coast by, and so we are intentional in setting goals with each of our staff members. And so I'm really proud to say, for example, that we've been open a year and a half now, and we still have about 20 people on staff that started with us when we first opened, um, which for a new restaurant, that alone is remarkable. But the high turnover in the service industry is kind of a norm because a lot of people see these jobs as a stepping stone. Mm -hmm. So we really try to make it worth their time and their while and to honor the other parts of their lives that are meaningful. And so they ask a lot of, like, flexibility on our part um, in accommodating people's different needs, which we're willing to do. So, it yeah. seemed, It's a tough balance, it would seem, to find the right level of accommodation along with having people that are there enough and consistently there enough that they're truly dialed into the culture and philosophies and ways of doing things that, that you all have. I mean, how, isn't that, that seems like it would be a tough challenge to me. It can be definitely. Um, so our training is pretty expensive. And when we hire people, um, we don't necessarily hire based on past experience and competency and other restaurant experience. We look for self-awareness, vulnerability, care, and curiosity. Those are the four qualities that when we are interviewing, we are looking to see if an individual has those. Wait, so self-awareness, curiosity, uh, care, vulnerability. and vulnerability. How do you look for yeah. vulnerability? Um, it, because two things. There's a service aspect, which is we want our staff to see management as a support system. And we want to know about their guest experience, both when they're having really great connection and, um, yeah, like hosting a particular party, but also when something was wrong, when they misrank their drink or they spilled something on a guest or they, you know, which 
we try to really minimize if they didn't know that an allergy or dietary restriction. And if we have to engage with those people, we don't want our service to fly under the radar and, like, think that the best way to get through is to, like, have management not know what's going on with their table. So we ask people to be vulnerable because we want to know, we want to be informed. We want them to be as those resources and to trust that there is no blame. There's just, like, when we, when there's a problem, the first thing we do as management is evaluate have we set up that server? Have we set up our team for success? Have we taken all the steps necessary so that they have the information and resources they need to perform their job and to do it well? The vulnerability has a lot to do with the way servers move in the space, but also in their personal life. Like, if they're going through a transition, a lot of our staff are college graduates that find meaning in this industry and have other things that they're working on on the side and don't necessarily see themselves doing, like, being in the service industry indefinitely. Um, so we ask for transparency, and we want, like I was mentioning earlier, this to be meaningful and enriching to their lives personally beyond it being a way to make um, a decent income that allows them to have independence and autonomy. So vulnerability has a lot to do with, are people willing to show as a part of, like, who they are in their own lives and the things that they have found challenging? And Mm -hmm. one of the things that I really value, too, about why I keep coming back to this industry is I find that a lot of people that are, in the service industry, live with a lot of intentionality. They can't compartmentalize their lives to do a job that they don't enjoy because it gives them an income. They can't do the nine to five that maybe they're totally qualified for because they don't find it to be challenging in meaningful ways. And so I really respect that intentionality. Um, And kind of like this determination and searching for something that really feeds them so that they can really give back to to their communities. I think the best way to like really give back is to find something that you are selfishly devoted to. So you are very devoted to it, but it also selfishly feeds you and nurtures you. And um you know, kind of saying that if you love what you do, you'll never work a day in your life. But at the same time, if you love what you do, you'll kind of do it all the time. Yeah. Um, and I think there's a lot of truth in, like, that middle um, of both of those things. So you're, it, it occurs to me then your interview process and your hiring process is probably pretty extensive and in, I say intense, that's probably the wrong, wrong word, but I would imagine, if, you, especially if you're looking for curious people, you probably have a lot of questions that you know that you're going to ask, but do you also look for people to be asking a lot of questions? Like, how, how do you how do you yeah. find these types of care? Like, vulnerability would be, I would think, a, sometimes challenging to find in people that maybe that are not used to expressing vulnerability in a job interview. Um, right, right. And then... But, of course, curiosity is something you pick up on because you can kind of tell if somebody's just trying to say what they need to say to get a job versus people that ask a lot of questions ask them because they're curious and they want to learn, and that's easy to – what easier? Is that right? I mean, I don't know. I'm just guessing these things. Yeah. So some of it is – the way we frame interviews is we start by thanking the person for expressing interest and 
inquiring and that we really view hiring or like interviewing as a two-way interview. We want to know mm. if this is a good fit for you at the time, but you should also ask us questions and get to know us and like hear about our values and ethos and what we, why we do what we do and how we do it and like figure out if it's a good match for you because we ask a lot of our staff. Um, like you said, vulnerability is not something that like, it's not for everyone to open that part of themselves in a work environment. Right. Um, and some people rather keep that part separate. And we're also a very, very busy restaurant. Like we have reservations both three months in advance and we have a wait time every shift that we're open. We have a wait time for people to be seated if you're walking, like if you're a walking guest. So we're very aware that when we demand, like we ask that our staff show up pretty much in peak performance every time that they work. And because of that, um, we name those things with people during in their interview and ask that they're like able to advocate for themselves and their needs and what's meaningful to them. Um, so some of it starts with the way we start the interview, naming that you should be this two-way interview, like you should figure out if it's a good fit for you as well, um, based on like the community that we are and what we value. And we say that really we're interested in getting to know you as a person and figuring out why why do you want to work here? What do you know about us as a restaurant and as a community? And what is it that you're looking for? And tell us about yourself, like where you're from, where you grew up, what's your family like, what are you interested in? And so we just try to get to know them as a person and figure out where the spark is and and what do they know about us? And so, like, one of the fortunate things is because our staff enjoys working here is that oftentimes when we're hiring, they have their friends and people that they know apply. Generally, people that they like. So it's already, like, the starting team is what's so important. Mm. Like, the, the values and diversity and curiosity of that start group really sets the table for you to, like, continue to have a pool of similar applicants. The people that we interview that we end up not feeling like there's a good match are the people that are walking off the street, don't know much about us, but know that we're busy and that we do well, and they want to work in a, in a restaurant that's busy. And sometimes those interviews, when the, when the main objective is to work at a place where there's a lot of traffic, are the interviews where we find that, like, this maybe not a good fit because if you're what you're looking for is driven by the potential to earn the most possible in the service industry that's not something that a lot of us on the management team are motivated by like yeah. we understand that having financial security is really important and we talk about money with a lot of transparency because we understand that when people are financially insecure it becomes a distraction for them and it doesn't allow them to be present in the other things that they're doing. We just don't want True. people to want to work here because we're busy and they see that as a potential to make money, more money. Well, um, you know, it's interesting because um, I often find that if if that is the focus, uh, is is the money, then it can be, if that's the outcome or the goal, it will be hard to find sometimes what you're looking for and you'll always be looking for, but for more, but if you, 
if that's sort of the byproduct and the focus is a bigger mm-hmm. picture, like what you were expressing, and um, oftentimes financial security is the that's the byproduct. It's it's, it's a result, but it is it, it it happens not by not being the main focus. Um, if the main yeah, focus is exactly. something bigger, then that is a byproduct that is a, a wonderful thing. Uh, but if that is the focus, right. oftentimes it, it does not become the result or it's, it's a, uh, a never ending. Um, yeah. Never. Yeah. Ending and then you, game. you can tell that pretty soon too, because the way people respond to like, uh, the number of shifts they get or like what shifts they are. Is it lunch? Is it dinner? Is it a weekend? Dinnership. So we know there's a lot of ways for us to know, like, the motivation. And something else we name with people during an interview is something that's unique to us is uh, we ask everyone on our team, whether your primary role be bartending or serving, that everyone every week does a support shift. Um, so support meaning they food run for a shift or bar back or beer for or bus. And we state that as one of our values because we want people to, it creates the opportunity for more teamwork, Mm. more empathy, and it enhances them in their primary role when they can see their job through the lens and perspective of someone else's primary role. Yes, totally. And it allows them to understand all the systems that it takes to make a restaurant run smoothly, to have some synchronicity. And so those roles traditionally are seen as the bottom of the hierarchy in the service industry. They're seen as like the stepping stone to serving or bartending. But we name that as an expectation that our staff is available and fully present to support their peers when they're in that support role as well. Um, so that's one of the ways in which like we provide information during the interview that should give the applicants an idea of the things that we value in our staff. Um, and so the interview itself is usually about 30 minutes. It's usually myself and one other store manager. And then the last thing that we do, or one of the last things we do, is that we name training as a, an extended interview process. Our interview or our training process is seen as a rehearsal to our team. And we name that during training, we want to assess those things that we need to be important to joining our team and how you move in the space amongst your peers, some of them that have been here for a year and a half, and the attention, how much you observe, how curious you seem, how invested. Um, and for you to assess if it's a good fit for you based on like kind of moving in the space with other people. And at any point during that training process, which we start with three fellowships, so everyone that's going to be trained to serve, they follow three different servers for the entirety of their shift. And at any point during training, if a server that's training in a training role feels that an app, like a new trainee may not be a good fit, we want to hear about that. We managers will check in with our trainers, see what their assessment is, and we take that into consideration. And we have asked people to not continue their training, naming that we don't think it's a good fit at this time for us, but that is things are to change. We'll keep their information on file and follow up with them. Um, 
and some of that has to do with the seasons of a restaurant too and what we think we need at a particular time um yeah in regards to like the people applying and how they fit into the current fabric of the team that we currently have like if other people have moved on to graduate school and other jobs what piece is it that we're missing to really create balance and generosity um resiliency to our team and want so you um I love listening to the way that you all approach hiring, and it must be, okay, so first of all, um, you're in, for folks that are listening that aren't familiar with Raleigh, I mean, Raleigh's got a wonderful, uh, they're in downtown Raleigh, it's got a wonderful wonderful restaurant scene, there's just a lot of support for independent restaurants in Raleigh, there's so many good restaurant people doing awesome things, They they all seem to... I say all, many of them that I know seem to support each other. I know Van learned from Mm -hmm. a lot of people there. Van has helped a lot of people there. Um, So you have a wonderful reputation, both of your establishments. What I also hear, and I'm curious if it's different in Raleigh, I I hear that it is very hard these days. uh, From almost everybody I speak to tells me, wherever they are in the country, it's very hard these days to find and keep good people. Uh, Is that something that you all are facing as well, or do you feel like the way you hire and the culture you've built and the reputation you've built combined with the the types of folks that are in Raleigh, is, is it not as much of a challenge? Is it a little bit of both? Um, I would say it's not challenging to find that pool of people, but I would say sometimes there's two things. One is we overextend ourselves to accommodate ourselves, to accommodate their request off, um, whether it be for things in their personal lives or professionally. And sometimes that means like that we can't have a specific schedule because people need different days off for their artistic and other things that they're pursuing. But also like they take time off during the summer to pursue something they're interested in. So in a way we're very accommodating to their other needs. And we also, like I said, Earlier, when something goes wrong, when we miss something big and it impacts guest experience negatively, when a table is seated, they aren't seated for 15 minutes. Like, we really try, we have a lot of systems in place to prevent that and minimize that. But I've heard of servers being let go of their job for doing that on the first time that it happened. And that is not something at all we would ever do here. We would assess, we would try to figure out what steps were missed and then make sure that the server knows is like able to take ownership of it as well. But we don't let someone go for something like that. Or like if someone no shows, like no calls, no shows, you know, and if it's the first time we like assess, you know, is everything okay? What happens? Like even if they overslept and it's the first time that it happened, we won't let someone go over that. So we are very committed to our staff. Um, and in showing up for them and develop, developing them and holding them accountable too. But we don't, we're not quick to just like let them go. And I would say the other thing that I think I know makes a big difference is the care of the owners and the management team. So like Vance and Visa Patrick, myself and the other managers, our care and ownership and investment, I think that has, 
a radiating effect that spreads to us. The ways we show up for them and the ways that we hold ourselves accountable and them accountable. I think that is actually one of the things that keeps really good people here because we're challenging them to to take responsibility, to show up, to be intentional, to be vulnerable. And just to see them enjoy what they do and tell their friends about it and want their friends to work here. Like, it all feeds onto itself. But I think a lot of that has to do with the, the investment of the core team. Um, I think it's, I think personally, if restaurants are owned and the, pre- the owners are rarely present and they're managed by people that do it based on their experience but are not necessarily invested in their staff and don't necessarily believe in why they're doing it, but it's more so of a job to them. I think there's less magic in that. Mm-hmm. And if there's less magic, people treat it more transactionally. I need to get a serving job while I figure out if I'm going to go to grad school or not. Right. I need to get a serving job while I figure out if I'm going to make any money off of this like, her, like singing career or like music or whatever. Right. But here, one of the things we offer is investment and development and accountability. And I think that makes it so that we're able to hold on to really amazing people. I mean, this is a 200 seat restaurant. We have a front of house staff of about 60 people. Hmm. 60 individuals. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a, well, it's also, it's a big operation. It's also just a, it's such a unique place. I've never seen anything like it. I remember Van telling me about it before, you know, just the idea. And I remember thinking, well, that doesn't make sense to me, but if anybody can pull that off and do it really well, it'll be Van, and I know he's going to do a great right. job. But right. I don't, I don't have the intellect or the imagination to think of. Again, once again, it's it's a brewery. You have a flower shop. You have books a for book sale. Mm-hmm. It's and, and you yeah. think you think of those in my mind. I think that's so disparate. Like, how does that all come together? But then you go into Brewery Bavon, and you're like. It all makes sense. It's amazing. Right. What a what a you walk in and you kind of relax. It just makes you kind of take a take a sigh and just you feel at home. You right. feel relaxed. I don't know how y'all did it. It's a f- amazing place. Um, I don't even know why those were together, other than I think that, I mean weren't there folks that worked f- with Fan and worked with y'all that had interest in flowers and like what was this what was the genesis of all that i mean the brewery part is one thing but yeah yeah i mean so definitely so it's a very novel concept very dynamic and i think when we were first talking about it with or like talking about what it would be it sounds like it has the capacity or possibility to be like a shopping mall like distracted with these four kind of disjointed thing. Yeah. But it isn't. But it isn't because I think it's all kind of tied together by this holy spirit of presence and of why, of the intention. Um, and so why the four things has to do with the past, like Patrick and Van meeting with the beer. Patrick has been a home brewer for years and um, they connected over the opportunity for, to have a brewery that was very approachable and very welcoming to all people, whether you 
if you like beer or don't know if you like beer or don't like beer, which is part of the reason, one of the main reasons why we also serve, have a full cocktail menu and wine list as well. We don't want to be um, snobbish or restrictive only to people that like know and respect beer. Uh-huh. So having a brewery that was really welcoming and approachable to groups of people coming to it that may not just be beer enthusiasts, home, like microbrews and enthusiasts. Um, and then the books and the flowers have to do with the flowers specifically with design and their own background has a design institute of the NC state and his flowers and how they are a language in um, themselves. And it's seeing that there is, there was a need for a flower shop in downtown Raleigh. There were no options for, um, yeah, for flowers in downtown, and especially with Dina, who, for Dina, who's a floral designer at Havana, started at Bidamanda at the server when I started, when it first opened. Mm. Dina was part of the opening team there. And she's always been a creative artist type, and she tried, had tried throughout the years many different mediums and it wasn't until floral arrangement that she really felt like she found a medium that spoke true to her, the most true to her. And so that became also a common language between her and fans and it just became a part of like, yeah, let's open up a flower shop. And originally the concept that they had in mind was that a part of the restaurant or brewery would be that people would kind of like say and have the opportunity to observe, you know, making arrangements, like here in the restaurant, like as she was processing flowers. And then we realized, you know, as you learn all these things as a restaurant, has had a year and a half life, that that's not the way it has manifested or presented itself. And so like making adjustments for something that was part of the original vision and plan, but that has um, come into reality to be a little bit different than that. In a way, like, there's just not a lot of the space that, to process flowers here while we're open for regular business hours. Yeah. And people are more interested in, like, while they're here and, like, if they're browsing the flower shop and bookshop, they're mostly doing it while they're waiting to be seated or while they're enjoying a beer, uh, but they're not necessarily standing in one place watching her make a range. Gotcha. Um, but that is a way in which, like, the vision of it was adapted for what we felt like people really connected with and responded to once we actually opened. And the books are an extension of a lot of the people and personalities of this restaurant. Um, I mean, Whitney Wilson, who's the GM at Vida Manga, whom also started there as a server right when it opened she was there as part of the original team with myself um she's an english major and so is jordan hester um whom is the beverage director here and so there's a common thread about amongst many of us for respect, admiration and like for books and literature as something that offers a lot to our lives and shapes us. And so the books are really seen as a way to 
invite Raleigh and the community to have important conversations about what they're reading. And so the bookshop, that selection, and the curation behind that has a lot to do with what's important to Raleigh now, what's important to our community here in North Carolina, in this country, in the world. Like, what are the things that about women's rights and empowerment and equality and rape? Like, what are the things that are relevant? And we invite a lot of the conversations. So some really powerful moments we've had even is over children's books. Um, and children's books that we chose choose to put on the shelf and that some parents have had moments of pause and concern about. And they brought it up to, like, our shop manager and they had, like, why is there a book that, I think, I believe the title was Am I a Boy or Am I a Girl? And it goes through, like this child asking what defines boy or girl or another that has mothers and all the ways in which they care for their children. And one of the mothers in the book um, was a dancer, like, and that's one of the ways that she made money and a mother here from the community causing, like, having a question about why it was that we had a book that included that as, a career that we were in a way supporting. Hmm. So there's all these opportunities to invite messy, inconclusive, complicated conversations about things that we don't believe we have a right or wrong answer to or a clarity that like we want to impose upon people, but conversations that we want to invite people to have. Um, and so we want to do that for guests through our books, and also for our staff, um, these are the things we ask them to read and consider. But so all of it goes to being conversation and opportunity for connection. And then beauty. We believe that beauty, I mean, this place aesthetically is beautiful. Mm, yes, and it is. We believe that beauty adds a lot to our enjoyment and fulfillment of life, to our like capacity for happiness so all those those things go together yeah and then the food of course (laughs) yeah which is which is also fantastic i mean you've got um yes so folks if you're listening you can tell this is much more than when you hear brewery bavana there's there's an image you might have and then when you hear what this place is really all about it's it's amazing um if you're in the raleigh area you have to check it out i think I mean, you've only been open, what, a year and a half? Forbes named it one of the top ten restaurants in the world. Uh, Van was, or the restaurant was nominated by James Beard as one of the top new restaurants in the country. It, it's a, gotten a, a lot of acclaim and deserved acclaim very quickly. And um, uh, for good reason. I mean, you all are doing doing stuff at a, at a really high level, uh, both with the, the actual work and the product and just the intention and philosophy you approach it with um louisa so i i really cannot thank you enough for taking the time to share this today it's inspiring it's educational it's i could talk to you all day because i have like a thousand other questions but i also know you're busy i don't want to keep you too long but um this is really awesome and I, I really have a lot of respect for van and uh Van Visa and and the team that you all have there and um, you for for sharing all of this. It's really been 
a wonderful conversation. I've learned a ton from you. Yeah, thank you so much. Uh, it's it's easy and very enjoyable for me to share. So I appreciate you, um, yeah, giving me the opportunity and asking really, uh, really thoughtful questions. Um, they have a lot of depth, so I appreciate it as well. Well, thank you. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, thank you. And I know I think there's some of the other colleagues there that may be doing this too. Uh, I, I would love to talk to any of them uh, and just you'll keep doing what you're doing because it's amazing work and you can just, anybody listening, I mean, there's just so much, the thought and intention and authenticity that you approach this with, you, everybody I speak to there, it really is, it's very different than, than many places. So uh, I commend you and thank you for the work you're doing in Raleigh and hope that we can have a small part of spreading some of that uh, through the podcast and, and stuff like that because we just admire it greatly. Great. Excellent. Yeah. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. All right, Louisa. Have a good one. Good to talk to you. Thank you very much. Thank you. You do the same. Have a good afternoon. Okay. Take care.